0: morning, church. It's good to see you all. We're so grateful you're here. My name is Nate, and uh, I'm the next-gen pastor here, and we just want to say welcome. Welcome to the family. We're glad you're here. It's going to be a good day. Yeah, right? Yeah, amen. And, uh, man, we're excited as we lead up into Easter. And we're in this new series called Like No Other. And uh, we're pumped about it. And today um, we're going to talk about a word called hope. And so the theme for the day is hope like no other. So look at your neighbor right now and say hope like no other. Do that right now. All right, go ahead. Uh, some of you, oh, I don't know. This is going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day. You know, some of you did it. You had it. You, you were in it. But, you know, you ever hope for something, you know, you think about it. And I thought about this. I I went to Google because it has all the answers, right, or we think it does, right? That was a joke, by the way. It said the meaning of hope is to cherish a desire with anticipation to want something to happen or be true. And so many of us have hope for things. And, you know, like for me, it's always usually, I don't know why, but usually it always has to revolve around something dealing with food. You know, I don't know why that is. Like, for me, every time I go to Chick-fil-A, I hope, like, please let the sweet tea be good. Please let the sweet tea be good. I'm a sweet tea snob. I'll admit it, Lord. I'll confess it right here. It's all good. I know I need to get rid of it. I need to throw it out. I know. But, you know, it's just, but I just want it to be so good, you know. I want it to be there. Sometimes on Sundays, I'll drive by Chick-fil-A and hope they'll be open, you know. We all can have hope. We, we, we all can have hope. We all can have hope. And you, know, and you know what it is for you. You know what that hope is. And so some of us, if you think back, like way back, you know, and I'm just going to share and obviously I'll tell a little bit of my age today, but I thought about this when I was thinking about hope. And I thought about Christmas as a kid, right? You, you, would, you would go down and you would hope that something under the tree was there that you asked for, right? You, you had this hope that, man, there's gotta be one thing in there. There's gotta be that one thing that you just hoped that you would get. You know, and, and it's like if you wanted a bicycle and you went down and nothing looked like a bicycle at all, so you're just hoping that maybe it's still in the box, you know, and all those things. And for me, I'll never forget it. And we're going to talk a little bit about this, but I remember there was something that took place in my childhood, and there was something that some of you remember uh, the old gaming system, the Ataris. You don't have to raise your hand. We're not going to judge anybody how old you are. And and then and then the original Nintendo came out, right? The original Nintendo came out, and I remember uh, my uncle actually getting us. I have three brothers so there's four of us boys he got us original nintendo which was bad because there's four of us wanting to play one you know gaming system and but there was something that the the world and all my friends were telling me that was coming out that you had to have You, you had to have this and my hope was i asked for it for christmas my hope was is that it would be under that christmas tree you know unfortunately i went down there and it wasn't right and you know what that's like. And we're going to talk a little bit about that when some of that hope is not there. And so for me, oh man, as a kid, I just worked my tail off. But the world told me I had to have it and it was going to change my life. And that was the Super Nintendo. <laughs> so, you know, it's like the regular Nintendo is not good anymore. But the Super Nintendo will make your life better. It's kind of like how we live with the iPhones today, right, you know. Your iPhone 20 works great, but get the iPhone 100 and your life is going to change forever. And we have that hope. But I remember, like, like getting this finally. And I remember, like, oh, man, this is it. But you know what? I'm not sure that even though my hope kind of was kind of down in the dumps on that Christmas, I'm not sure that really fulfilled everything I wanted, even though I worked hard for it. And I'm thankful I still have that Super Nintendo. Some of you are like, oh, Nate, I'm going to get that from you. I have the original Nintendo as well, and I have the Sega Genesis. I have all the systems, you know. So, But that's what it does, right? That's what the world tells us. The marketing life, they tell us you got to have it, right? you got to have this. You will not be the same person. I promise you, if you get this, you and your life will be changed. It's often f- filled with empty hope. And promises. And so today that's kind of where we're going is finding hope and empty things. And we're gonna look and, and talk a little bit more about this as we go through it. But some of us know what we're talking about. You see these advertisements and you see these commercials and, and these experts, they sit around the table and they think of us. And they're like, How can we get them? Hmm, you know? For whatever reason, they promised me that ab roller was gonna work, but it doesn't work when it stays in the closet, right? <laughs> oh, that sounded a little too like. Some of you are like, yeah, that treadmill is really good to hang clothes on, you know. Some of us know. But for some of us, we think about this, and and for many of us, we've, we've tried to find our hope in something. And it's usually filled with these empty promises and this empty hope. And, and they tell us that it's going to make our life better. And, and some of us try to find, and we go into that. It's, 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 it's a billion-dollar corporation, obviously. It's, it's, it's all these things. And most of those end up with no hope. It's kind of like for me with my Super Nintendo. Yeah, it was fun for a while. It was great, right? And then that hope kind of went away. But our God, our God is is a God of hope and promises. In fact, this is interesting. The Bible records over 7,000 promises from God to his people. Amen? So we live in a world that is full of broken hope, full of broken promises and unfulfilled expectations. There is no hope. You see it daily, maybe where you work and in your family. We have commitments that we don't follow through. We see this in our world today. And maybe we're sitting here and we're so like maybe saying we can confess our own things. We confess our own that, that, we, that we break promises that cause no hope. That we maybe break plans that cause no hope. Plans and promises that we never intended to keep. But we set it to give somebody else maybe a, just a glimmer of hope. And so maybe we're sitting here today and we're honest enough to say, and, and, and maybe it stings a little bit, is that we promise a lot of things to our family and friends. We promise our spouse we'll be faithful. We promise our kids we won't work as much. We promise ourselves we won't look at those things anymore, et cetera, et cetera, right? We break these promises daily, and that's when we lose hope and we allow others to lose hope. But this is what I love today, obviously. I don't want to be negative that much longer, but not God God is different. On the first Easter, as we lead up to Easter, instead of promises full of emptiness, God gave us emptiness that is full of hope and full of promise today, amen? Amen. So this morning, I'd like to think about this hope of Easter, hope like no other, hope like no other. So there's going to be three of them, and we're going to talk today, and we're going to go through these three, and then we're going to do something together at the end. And so if you can just hang on for a little while and and get through these with me, I want you to kind of just listen to what the Lord would say to you. So each promise or hope is marked by something empty. And because um, I love this and it's an easy way for me to remember, we're going to talk about these three things. The empty cross, the empty clothes, and the empty cave, also known as tomb. But tomb doesn't start with a C, and I want you to remember it, all right? You're like, now we got your tricks, Nate. So, hope like no other. And so, as we think about these empty things, it's the very fact that each of these is empty that assures us that God's promises are not empty. Hope like no other. So we're going to kind of break this down, and I'm going to share a lot of scripture, but John chapter 19 and John chapter 20, I'm going to kind of just throw a lot of different verses out of there, and then I'm going to share some verses at the end, and so just kind of hang on, and if, you, if this is your first time, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm this crazy, I guess, all right, just hang on, all right, I promise. All the other people that have been here for a while, they're like, just, just love him, just love him through it, all right? So let's, let's first examine the empty cross, and so what's interesting about this, and as you think about the empty cross, and there's a lot that I, that I feel like the Lord has given me that I want to say, so just bear with me as, as I share this, but if we were re- to return to that scene of Christ's execution that Sunday morning, you would find the relics of his death, right? A braided crown with scarlet tips. The, these iron nails covered in dirt and blood and an empty cross that was tinged in red with the blood of Jesus. Now this is bizarre, isn't it, if we think about it? The thought that this blood is not man's blood, but God's. To think that these nails held your sins, my sins to the cross, but that's what they did. Hope like no other. Hope like no other. So sin that led Jesus to the cross was lies and jealousy and anger and betrayal and not the lies of his accusers. Not the jealousy of the chief priest, not the anger of the crowd, not the betrayal of Judas, but our sins, our lies, our jealousy, our anger, our betrayal. Amen. We all have our list of sins. If we think about it, we've all come in here. Maybe even this morning, we've all are guilty. I am guilty is what I'm saying. I don't want to speak for you. I'll speak for me. So what is it that makes your list today? What's your list? What sins make your list? Is it anger? Is it an addiction that you just can't seem to shake? Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's one of those things that like nobody can see it, right? That's what we're really good at. We're good at hiding the one that nobody can see. Maybe it's that pride. Maybe it's that prejudice, Perhaps like we said, maybe it's those lustful eyes or a lying tongue. Maybe it's selfishness, et cetera. We could go down the list. But every sin on your list comes with a price tag. A lifetime of sin is enough to rack up against major debt in heaven. But this is where the news changes, right? And it sounds a little negative, but just listen to this and get this today. We want to make sure you get the full picture of the empty cross further and further in debt initially we as, as humans we might try to repay what we owe we figure out there's an account balance as long as our good deeds and they outnumber our bad but that isn't the way it works the bible tells us in romans six twenty three: for the wages of sin is death simply put the cost of your sins is more than you can pay but hold on now this is where it gets good come on out, church now listen to this It's more than we can pay, but the grace of God is more than we can imagine. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the empty cross promises forgiveness. It's the hope like no other. It promises forgiveness today, church. So you're sitting there, and we talked about it, and and I didn't mean to get that negative, but it's truth, right? We're trying to pay back what we can't pay back. We list our sins out and we know we can't pay that debt, but we know somebody that did. We know somebody that did. did. And so the empty cross, it promises forgiveness. It's the hope like no other today, church. And if we're not excited about it in here, how can we expect anybody to be excited about it out there? And that's what we got to do. It's the hope like no other. Oh man, I'm just getting started. I'm already sweating so bad, but listen to this. So if we think about this hope and we think about how the empty cross promises this forgiveness, think about what Jesus went through, right? After six hours of agony upon the cross, Jesus whispered, it is finished. In John chapter 19, verse 30, it is finished, now, what, what, what makes this interesting, and I'm not a, 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 a big guy on uh, speaking Greek and all those different things, but I thought this was just so good that I, that I didn't want to miss it. And it says this, what makes these words so meaningful is that the Greek word translated, it is finished, is tetelestai, an accounting term that means paid in full. Now, if that don't get you excited, man, that wood is wet. I'm telling you, you got to get ready. You got to get fired up. When Jesus uttered those words, he wiped away the debt that was racked up by our sins and by mine. He paid the debt that we could never pay. That's why the empty cross promises forgiveness for all of our sins. Hope like no other. And so as we continue on and as we go to the next one and as we think about the empty cross, the next thing is the empty clothes. And there again, it's just the way my mind works sometimes and how you can remember this. And I want to share some information about this and just kind of talk briefly um, ab- about it. But it's interesting as we kind of go through and as, we, as we're going through John chapter 19 and through ch- uh, uh, chapter 20, it's interesting all the different things that are happening and taking place. So we think about the empty clothes and we think about this and, and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were both Pharisees who secretly believed in Jesus. Now, I want you to get this. I don't want you to miss it. So reluctantly during Christ's life, but courageous at his death. I think that's important. They requested permission from Pilate to bury the body of Jesus. Now, some of you have known this if you read through this, but I want you to get it. So they ascended Golgotha bearing burial clothes, long strips of linen cloth. Pilate supplied permission, which is interesting, right? Joseph supplied a tomb and Nicodemus supplied the spices. Then the Bible says this in John chapter 19, verse 40. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices and long sheets of linen cloth. For John, now you gotta get this. This is so good. You gotta get this today. So just hopefully I can, Lord, speak through me that they hear it the right way. So for John who witnessed all this firsthand, right? the, The arrival of the burial clothes represented the departure of hope. Come on now, listen to this. For John who witnessed all this firsthand, the arrival of the burial clothes represented the departure of hope. These linens were a tangible reminder that his faith and future were wrapped in the cloth and sealed behind the rock. Now this is is so good. This is what God's word does. So what's interesting is, is John didn't know on Friday what you and I know. In fact, John would later confess that he and the others in John chapter 20, verse nine says, they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And this is what's interesting about God's word. So John and the others believed in Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus. All their hopes and their dreams rested in a man they believed that was God in human flesh, but He died. He died. Now, what's interesting is this, is that this is what's happening for John. The ground beneath the old rugged cross was moist with blood. The body wrapped in strips of linen and laid to rest. All of Jesus' followers were discouraged. Jesus' death dealt a crushing blow to John's faith. Now, just just hang on and listen to this. So maybe you are sitting here today and you can relate to this, right? Tragedies often dent and somehow destroy our faith. Maybe it's the loss of a job, a loss of a loved one, a loss of a friend. Maybe God didn't show up when you wanted him to. Come on now. Come on now. Now, I want you to get it. Hopefully, man, I hope you get this. God didn't show up when you wanted him to. He didn't show up when you thought he should have showed up. He didn't show up the way you wanted him to show up. And so what's interesting is this, is what happens when life gets hard. Sometimes our hopes are shattered. Our faith can suffer suffer a devastating blow. We begin to wonder, right, why God lets bad things happen if God is even there. So this is what's interesting. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this. So what we learn about John is this. Man, this is good. However, is this, just to hang in there a little while longer. We don't know what John did on Saturday. We have no passage to read. We have no insights to share. All we know is this. When Sunday came, John was still there. Now listen to this church. What about you? When Sunday came, John was present. What about you? When you're in John's position, what do you do? When you're somewhere between yesterday's tragedy and tomorrow's triumph, what do you do? Do you leave God or do you linger near him? Come come on now, church, if that's not convicting, I don't know what is. Whoo! the Lord convicted me. Because right, we want it it our way. We want it on our time. We want it, God, show up when I want you to show up. And so many of us, we see what happened on Friday, and so many of us on Saturday, we're not gonna stick around, we're out, peace, see you later. You wanna act like that, God? You wanna be that? You wanna do that to me? You wanna be like that to our family? I'm out of here. Come on now, church, just me? All right. John John chose to linger, and because he lingered on Saturday, he was around to see the miracle on Sunday. Come on now, church, amen, right? Man, maybe I'm just the only one that gets excited about that, but I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I'm telling you, like, Lord, convict me. Convict me so much. That I wouldn't leave you when it's not the way I want it to be. That I would linger enough. I would linger long enough. I would linger so close to you that I would hang on during Saturday. And I would hang on enough to be able to see the miracle on Sunday. Man, I love John and I love this how it is. I hope the Lord spoke it to the way that it was spoken to me. But I want you to get this. And I want you to think about it. And I want you to think about John. And I want you to think about what took place on this Sunday morning. John chapter 20, verses 5 through 8. It says this. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and saw and he believed: The empty clothes promised faith, hope like no other. The empty clothes promise faith, hope. Like no other. What's interesting is this. On the first Easter Sunday, God took the burial clothing, a tangible reminder of Jesus' death, a symbol of tragedy, and made it a symbol of hope. A birthplace of faith. A pile of empty clothes restored John's faith. Church, God wants to do the same for us. He wants to do the same for us. So the next time your faith is shaken... When doubts and fears well up inside, remember the empty clothes. Don't leave God. Linger near him. Here's the deal, church. You might just be one day from a miracle. For John, the empty clothes were proof that Jesus had risen. And because of that, John's faith was renewed and restored. And today, yours can be too. I think of those promises today and I think of the hope in the empty clothes. We got one more. And the third one is this. The empty cave, tomb, but tomb doesn't start with C, so you get what I'm saying. We come up and we come up to the empty cave and we come up to this and we come up to this moment. And it says this in Matthew chapter 28, verses five through seven. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified he is not here for he has risen as he said come see the place where he lay then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead the tomb of jesus remained empty as a symbol of life that outlasts the grave amen life everlasting in other words it's this the empty cave promises forever hope like no other And so let's hear this forever. Our minds for us as humans can hardly grasp this concept of forever. It's what Jesus promised. It's the hope like no other. He said this, Nicodemus, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his what? One and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life forever. It's the hope we can have today. He assured the woman at the well, right? In John chapter four, verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in a, in a spring of water, welling up to eternal life forever. Hope like no other. He announced to the crowds in John chapter six, verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has what? Eternal life. Hope like no other Forever. Forever And that's the hope we can have today. But for most of us, right? We live in, and we go back to like the, the infomercials, right? If I can just live a long and happy life, they're telling me, if I buy that cream, my face is going to make me look 20 years younger. That's what they're telling me, I got hope I'm going to buy it." Four easy payments of 99, 99. We've all been there. It's just like that ab roller, man. I thought that thing was going to work. But you think about it. For most of us, we just want to live a long and happy life. That's why the commercials and the infomercials, they get us. But we know that it's filled with empty promises. And there's no doubt that it's filled with empty hope. As much as Apple makes that new iPhone look so good... It's going to make our life easier. If anything, maybe it's going to make it harder because sometimes I know we want to chuck those things, right? But they make it look so good. And they give us the right commercial and they give us the right thing. And for many of us, we just want to live this happy life. And we don't understand or grasp the forever. We don't understand the eternal life that some of us maybe talk about, but we don't quite grasp it. He offers forever. He offers eternity. The promise of eternal life is the heartbeat of hope. It's the heartbeat of hope like no other. And so for many of us, we get stuck in a trap. We get stuck in a trap and we can't quite understand this hope like no other. We can't quite understand and can't quite get out of our own way. And so I just wanna read some scripture to you today and I just wanna read this and I just want you to hear it and I want you to just to receive it today and then I'm gonna just kind of wrap this part up and then we're gonna do something together. And I want you to get this today and I hope you understand and see this hope like no other. And it comes out of Romans chapter six and we're gonna read a few verses and we're gonna start in verse six and read through verse 14. And, and maybe you're sitting here today and, and, and you've, you've kind of put your hope in all these empty things. You've put your hope into all these things that you're just, you're not understanding. Why is this not finding this fulfillment? Why is this not finding this forgiveness and faith and forever that we're talking about? And obviously, we see the greatest three empty things, right? The cross, the clothes, and the cave. And I want you to get this, and I love God's word and how good it is, and obviously, if you're here you've probably seen or heard this, but maybe you're new to this whole thing and I want you to hear God's word and I want you to just allow it to speak over you. And it says this in Romans chapter six, verses six through 14. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin, amen. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer holds dominion over him. Oh, just is good. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Man, I'll tell you what, if you ever seen baptisms up here, that's what I say. Dead to sin and alive in Christ when we bring them up out of water. Yeah, right? Amen. That's God's word. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin, come on now, will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. That's good. That's God's word. That's good. That's good. That's good. I'm gonna read just one other thing. And this actually, Pastor Brian read this a couple of weeks ago, part of this, and man, it's just good, but I wanna read it. And it's Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 through 21. Now claim this today, church, claim it today. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, that is the the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Man, thank you, Lord, I need it. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly, than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. That's the hope we should be sharing. That's the hope that we want everybody else to know about to all generations. We want them to know about the forgiveness. We want them to know about the faith. We want them to know about forever. We want them to know about the hope like no other in Jesus Christ, amen, amen. Amen. So the empty cave serves as a powerful reminder that Christ rose from the grave, never to die again. He promises that if we believe in him, that we will live with him forever, that hope. And so today, if you're here, and we're gonna do something here in just a minute, but maybe you're here. I want you to get these next step questions. We're not done yet, but this is where I put the next step questions. So hang on, some of you started getting ready and wrapped up. I know you're getting ready for lunch or breakfast brunch or something. I got got a few more things to say. Hope like no other. Next step questions. What's empty in your life that needs hope? Come on now. What's empty in your life that needs that hope today? When you're somewhere between yesterday's tragedy and tomorrow's triumph, what do you do? Do you leave God or do you linger near him? Man, mm, come on. And maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I don't understand what this crazy Nate guy's talking about, but man, maybe you're here and you're saying, I need to experience that hope like no other today. Do you need to give your life to Jesus? I pray if you're here and you don't know him, I pray that you come to know him and I pray that you find that hope. I pray that you find that hope like no other. We have the hope in empty things today. We have the hope in the empty cross and the empty clothes and the empty cave. And I hope you find that hope today. And so there's something that's interesting. It was interesting last week. I loved it. Uh, Mike, who's one of our board members, he shared about lyrics. I'm always, just some of the lyrics of songs are are just so good and sweet, you know, how the Lord uses those. But this this is an oldie, all right? This is an old one. But I want you to get it. And maybe you sit here today and you showed up today because it was your last hope. And you're barely hanging on. You're barely hanging on. Whatever it is that's got you down. Whatever it is that the enemy's trying to do to you. And you're barely hanging on. I want you to hear these words of this old hymn and you'll know it. Most of you, and you've never been in church before, you've probably heard it. And then I'm going to read something after that together. But I don't want it to be missed. I don't want you to miss it. But for me, I thought about when I first experienced that hope and gave my life to Christ. I thought about these sweet words from the sweet hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home forever, right? The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yeah, when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. Thank you, Jesus. The earth soon shall dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That's that amazing grace and that hope that you can find today, amen. as we get ready for Easter and as we lead into these weeks. And there was something I shared here, it's probably been four or five years ago. So it's been a, it's been a while ago. And I wanted to share it again today. And I pray I can get through it because it's just, it's just who, who I am and I, it's beautifully written and I want you to get it today. And I want you to experience that hope today. Don't leave here feeling empty anymore. Be filled today. And so this is something that some of you may have heard before. It's it's been around for a long time and you may have heard or seen a video and you may have shared it or went through it. And so I'm just gonna share it with us today. And it's, it's by a guy by the name of S.M. Lockeridge, and it's called That's My King. And I want to read it today and I want you to get it today. And so maybe if this is your first time hearing it, try to listen to these words. The Bible says my king is the king of Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of, the glory, king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong' he's enduringly strong. he's entirely sincere. He's internally steadfast, he's immortally graceful. he's imperially powerful. he's impartially merciful. Do you know him today? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of the world. He's God's son, he's the sinner savior he's the centerpiece of civilization he's unparalleled he's unprecedented he's the loftiest idea in literature he's the highest personality in philosophy he's the fundamental doctrine of true theology he's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior i wonder if you know him today he supplied strength to the weak He's available for the tempted and the tribe. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and he sustains, amen. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick, he cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners and he discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble, he blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate, he regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he benefits the meek. I wonder, do you know him today? He's the, he's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him today? Listen now. Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes, amen? His words is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind and you can't get him off your hand. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees... They couldn't stand him, but they couldn't find any fault in him. And they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. Yeah, that's my king. Hope like no other today.